Good morning, everyone. Brad Spillane here uh, from the Men's Mental Health Show um, for episode 101. Just want to apologise for the weekly listeners. Um, had a bit of a, an urgent situation last week, uh, so we were unable to come on air. Um, but it was just to, to, to help out a, a friend of mine who's going through a bit of a tough time, which we might talk about a little bit later without using names. Uh, but first of all, I want to say a big thanks to uh, Mounties Group, Dale Hunt, um, for their ongoing sponsorship and uh, love of the show, as well as my mate uh, Craig uh, Beachy from All Manufacturing Personnel, um, going in for a big operation today. Uh, Beachy Baby, uh, sending our love here from both Bodie and I. And um, yeah, wish you all the best. Uh, but uh, All Manufacturing Personnel is a recruitment and labour hire company in the manufacturing industry. Um, give me a call if, you, if you're interested in a job or if you need some position skills. We've certainly got uh, some candidates out there at the moment, uh, considering over half a million jobs available. Um, that's a good sign. So give us a call on 0404077666. But uh, before we do that, a uh, quick good morning uh, to Boatster. How the bloody hell are you, mate? Weren't here last week. How's things? Yeah, really missed last week. I had a whole lot of things to say and uh, couldn't believe it that we got it cancelled. But, you know what I mean? Uh, um, I sort of slowly, slowly got over it. You know, I've been taking, I've been sort of grudgingly going, oh, I've done that bloody, you know. Oh, look, I'm... <laughs> I'm just giving me a hard look, time. Look, I'm giving him a hard time. G'day, Brad. <laughs> look, uh, um, I'm good. You look good enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, what do I mean by that? Um, I tell you what, I'm I'm sort of kind of seeing within myself. You know, we're talking about men's mental health, and I'm happy enough to bring myself into the show as well. Um, <clears throat> one of the things I'm wrestling with is um, what I would call um, a habit of mind. So, what does that mean? What it means for me is uh, I fall back on a way of thinking or reacting to the world based on habit. Um, so I'm 73 and I've got a lot, I've got, obviously got, you know, got a lot of uh, experiencing yeah. under my belt and, um, and, you, and you tend to habitualise um, how you think and feel about things. Um, and I've particularly about my moods or about uh, things that annoy me, um, that I can habitually fall into them and grumble and groan and then make myself miserable and um, and lose a perspective in the moment, you know, where something could be really beautiful. So one of the, my antidotes is to constantly walk out of my garden and talk to the plants and smile at the flowers and chuck them, uh, chuck the carnations under the chin and how you doing, lad? Because, yeah, and smell done, them. Yeah. Oh man, you you know, I get an olfactory hit uh, up the nose from uh, my carnations. Yeah. So, so uh, but it's, it's habit of mind. Now there's a there's there's a kind of old judge sitting in my uh, head. He's a homunculus, which is a little man that the uh, early philosophers used to think existed in the brain. Yeah, a small little fella sitting up there um, re- receiving the world and acting like a sort of a judge. You know, yeah. and, and and some judges were kind, but most of them were sort of horrible and sort of instantly um, cutting people's heads off and that sort of stuff. So my my homunculus is a little bit judgmental. He's like an old old patriarch, and he's full of brimstone and fire. Mm. And um, I've, got, I've got to keep reminding him that um, he's only one part of me. Um, he's, not, <laughs> he's not all of me. You know what I mean? And and there's another, there's another parts of me, yeah. other parts of me that um, not that interested in judgment and all yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, wonderful. So that's yeah. the, that's that's the thing I've got to wrestle with all the time yeah. is to come out of a narrow view of life mm. and what I'm experiencing in the moment. And see it in a much broader context. Well, getting in the moment, such as yourself, getting out there, smelling the flowers and the yep. carnations, and, yep. and that's exactly. there's no better way of doing it, is there? Yes, than, than getting close or earth with Absolutely. Mother Nature. Absolutely. And there's a lovely philosopher uh, that I've been doing a little bit of reading on. 
Now, I don't know for you listeners uh, where, what, what you think about philosophy. I used to think about philosophy as something that you could never understand. You know, mm. I mean, read mm. Heidegger, mm. And, and he's talking about being and moment and, um, and, and uh, uh, tautologies and ontology. And, and, um, and I'm going, what on, what on earth is all that? I don't understand any of that sort of language. Mm. So um, a, a philosophy for me for a long time has been incomprehensible. But um, as I've got older and, and worked my way through some reading, um, uh, you know, I can see I can see its value um, now. Morris Merlo Ponty, he's now dead. Um, he said, "True philosophy, true philosophy entails learning to see the world anew. Yeah, to see the world anew." Now, I love that yeah. because I think that's what we've got to do. If we've got habit of mind, we've got to keep on seeing the world um, in a new way mm. from a new perspective. Mm. And that's what Merleau-Ponty says. Philosophy entails learning to see the world anew. Now, I can relate to that. I can understand that. Much easier to, to, to relate, isn't it? Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, uh, than the tautology of uh, um, um, ontology. Well, listen, we, what, what I wanted to do was uh, uh, this, I'm, I'm catching up uh, online for a chat this afternoon with, you know, a, a chap that's been or part of the show here at the Men's Mental Health Show, Craig Ball, who's actually written a book um, three quarters of the way through it. And Craig's pretty passionate about the advancement of men's mental health. I think uh, getting men in the mi- right mindset, um, you know, doing some good mental health hygiene. Uh, so we might just get him on the phone and say a quick good day. G'day, Craig. Hi, how, Craig. How you been, mate? I've been fantastic, actually. What's um, it's a busy month, of course, but um, it's been a good month in November. I've been learning a few, learning a few things whilst I've been out, uh, you know, helping people to sort out their mental health as best I can. Yeah. Now, mate, just just so the listeners, uh, for those that haven't um, heard of you beforehand, just. I guess tell us a little bit of a background about yourself, Craig. Um, you know, you, you've, you're a returned serviceman um, uh, from the ADF. Um, uh, but what, what's what got you into mental health? Give us a, a little bit of a background briefly. Yeah, of course. Thanks, mate. Um, so I've been in the mental health space in one way, shape, or form for probably about twenty years. I've been teaching uh, what eventually became the contents of my book for about that long, and. Um, I got to a stage where I was trying to get my, my preferred way of helping people is speaking to large groups. And Australia isn't always the easiest country to, to organise and to do that kind of work. So I got to a point where I needed to do more. Um, the Army was an option. I wanted more life experience. Um, and boy, I didn't just get life experience, but I actually got... Um, I came out of it, as many of us do, from service with some psychological injury. So I've been able to put what I share with others to the mm. test on myself. And I have to say, it's it's been profound in ways that I never thought possible. And I can actually say from first-hand experience that it worked. Um, mm. It's been something I've done. And ever since my journey out of defence, I got to the point where losing mates to suicide became a little bit too difficult to bear so I decided I'd refocus my energy what I share with groups to mm. focus primarily as much as, as I can although mm. I don't discriminate between men and women who I help but I, mm. I focus a lot of my energies on attracting men to be able to to the process because mm. blokes are, you know let's face it we're all pretty stubborn one time or another in our lives and yeah no case without <laughs> mental health so i work as a as a mentor um yeah. i'm not like a coach where i'm out trying to um you know get people for an hour and then try to encourage them to come back for another hour type of thing i'm um 
I actually work through people with an actual process, an online program and stuff, and I get them to to work with me, and we do a lot in that space. And I also do a lot of stuff through my consulting work. Um, as you know, I work as a change manager, which helps me to help people deal with what are some of the biggest impacts to their mental health in the workplace, and that's any sort of workplace change. Mm. Um, so that gives me a great opportunity to do more of the mentoring work as well, helping people through that process. What what are some of the biggest changes that you've seen? Let's just say over the last five years, particularly, that men have 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 done to to implement you know a, a positive outcome towards. I mean, would it be that the coming forward men are speaking uh, more openly nowadays? Is it has there been a lot of change in the sense of of men opening up about you know their greatest fear being perceived as weakness or? or their vulnerability? What's what's it in your eyes? Or I think there has been, mate. I think it's been a significant shift and um, no more so than what I experienced earlier this month. One of my biggest clients um, had uh, had the, um, the head manager of the, the company um, you know, live stream out to the entire organisation. One of the, you know, second in, in charge of the company as well and myself, um, as well as, I'm very proud to say, um, a, uh, a very significant Indigenous um, gentleman was there as well. Mm. And we had this amazing live stream discussion after the whole business. And the whole business is nearly 12,000 people. Um, we had a really good return. And to hear those men who have achieved so much in their lives and care so much deeply about the people that they work for, to be open and honest and yeah. share that and lead in such a way. I mean, um, other areas that I think are fantastic and really starting to do things um, are obviously look at NRL I mean a lot of people are starting to step up now and say I'm struggling um, it's okay to mm. reach out for help mm. and that some of that leadership stuff is really exciting and, and gives me great yeah, hope it, it, it is inspiring you touched on something and I wanted to sort of bring Bodhi in on this as well because I think it is a a huge step in the right di- direction when you bring up honesty and, and honesty to yourself um, yeah. it, it's a massive massive thing is that something you've seen a lot of Bodhi particularly or is it something that you encourage men to do is to be honest particularly with themselves before even thinking about yeah, it I mean it's got that absolutely it's got to be um, a, a foundational aspect of real change what, uh, Craig what I was interested in um, asking you is um, what do you do when some guy comes to you and he says I need to change but I don't really want to change. Well, that's a, that's a really good point you make, and I'm, no doubt you see it all the time in, in yep. your work. Yeah. Um, one of the things, often discovering that they don't want to change, that's not the first thing, obviously, that, that they'll tell you. It's something you tend to discover as you talk. Unless Absolutely. They are, you know, someone sent me here, or my wife sent me, or my partner sent me here. <laughs> and what's all this about? That's when yep. you kind of pick that up early. But Bodhi often, says that quite often about some of his patients. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but it's, it is common practice, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, it's really about helping them to see it can be easy and it doesn't have to be scary, difficult uh, or or hard. It's just a matter of, of taking some steps. Because, you, you know, you've got a lot of people out there, uh, I mean, I certainly see it, some self-improvement people who, who carry on with this BS of, you know, there's no trying, there's doing or not doing. I'm like, that's too black and white. People need to be prepared to give something a bit of a go and understand that it's okay and they're gonna one of the things i encourage my clients to do is to call out anything that feels wrong or any um, barriers or blocks that they're having to what i'm hearing with them because that's the only way that we're really going to help people to, to break through and, yeah, it's and great point, isn't it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, because, because i think i think the truth is that um 
um, there is more resistance um, uh, uh, to change um, unless a person falls apart and genuinely recognises they can't go on in the old way that they have been doing before. But I, but I, but I, I think what's you know I think what we're still dealing with is um, a resistance to the idea of change, almost a fear um, that um, that the certainties that one has accumulated as a result of holding a say masculine stance, um, you know, if I relinquish that. Um, then who am I, and and, um, yeah. and and what mob do I belong to, and will I be ripped off? You know those sorts of kind of, and I think we have to sort of attend to those anxieties um, as an an attempt to enable a person to see that their own anxieties about change, um, if they maintain that posture, nothing will change. Mm. So 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 the, the what that points to as well is people are afraid that they're gonna. Suffer some sort of loss to their identity in some yeah, way. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. what Bodhi's alluding to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, everything that they've been taught, told, or accepted up until this point in their life, they feel that nothing will be the same. And mm. the reality can be that they're still going to be the same person. Mm. It's just that we're now going to accept things in that are going to help and, and heal us to a degree. I had a really good, um, came across a really good book called The Reality Slap. Um, just recently got recommended to me for a, a veteran. Did you say Reality a... Slap, S-L-A-P? Correct. Yeah. Um, and it came to me through a book I was reading of poetry um, called In Plain Sight that a veteran wrote. It's fantastically um, eye-opening. And mm. he mentions the books that have helped him as, you know, just in passing throughout the book. And this one was Reality Slap. And I was thinking of it on the audio through Audible, and it's just fantastic because it's as if the... The, um, the author's coaching you through some of the techniques, but one of the things that talks about is self-compassion. And this is one of those things that we just sort of are referencing in some ways, I suppose, in that, in, from the point of view that this is a different approach. We've got to look at things differently and, you know, how is this going to affect or change or, or do anything to me? And pe- once people start to understand just how powerful it can be mm. to, you know, and um, it, it, it requires you to, t- to step back from the overgeneralizing between, you know, admitting that you're feeling sad most people would just say oh, i'm sad well you're actually not sad mm. you're feeling sad or you're experiencing the emotion of sadness and being able to make that distinction it's a very slight it may seem like a very slight distinction to some people but it's mm. actually overgeneralizing, and mm. that's where people sort of rest their identity in that overgeneralized space mm. um you know the, the, this view of i'm a man's man or i'm a this or i'm a that no no you're you mm. all these other mm. things are labels and you you know, are starting to identify with things, that in itself can be quite unhelpful. Yeah, I, I think, you know, on that note with, with change, you know, you, you ask yourself, I mean, like I've heard Bodie say on a number of occasions, you know, what brings you here today? And obviously what brings you here today is perhaps not something that's not been working. So even if you sort of say to yourself, well, maybe I don't want to change, but I'll certainly look at exploring change. Let's have a, let's, let's, let's get into the discussion around that. Um, because as you 100%. say, it's a, yeah. and, and one of the things that I like to say when I'm running my, um, my training programs is walk into the water with me on this, mm. just take a couple of steps in this direction. Mm. If you like what you hear or it starts to feel right or whatever other way that, that you, uh, acknowledge or, or that you experience the information, take another couple of more steps because you'll find, you may find something that really helps you. Yeah. Yeah, no, good point. So I mean, the, the other thing, Craig, was, uh, just a follow-on and a support to what you're saying is um, that idea of, um, you know, a person will say, I'm sad, 
And, um, and you, um, what I often reframe is something like, so a, one part of you today is sad. Uh, tell me about the other parts of you. Um, and that's always a surprising question mm. um, because, as you say, if you globalise um, a feeling as if that's all you are today, um, that undermines your very um, m- multiplicity of parts of you experiencing simultaneously and they all have their um, a view which is, an, is, is not global, it's not all of me is sad. Uh, so I think that's a very... It, it, it seems yeah. an easy distinction to make, but it's actually, if you really take it on board, it's a profound distinction. Yeah. Oh, it's significant. It really is significant. And, and I think the other thing as well with labelling something as sad or, or this experience in sad, I still want to acknowledge that sad is better than devastated. Or, you know, I remember when I used to go to funerals, and my goodness, in the army I went to a lot. Mm. And I used to sit there and, you know, we'd sit around and have a bit of a chat with some of the boys who might be having a beer or something afterwards. And it'd be pretty clear that everyone was pretty you know, smashed by what was going on. And I'd say to them, guys, this is just sadness. It's a lot worse for the family, of course, but for us, this is sadness and sadness will pass. Yeah. So acknowledging that sadness is a temporary thing um, as opposed to being full-blown depressed or anything of that nature, but it's important to acknowledge that sadness is is better than some of the other things as well that you could be labelling. Good outlook, isn't it? Yes. And look, well, you know what's really interesting about labelling? Um, uh, in my reading from um, The Things That Matter by Ian McGilchrist, who's a very interesting philosopher, uh, psychiatrist, uh, neuros, neuroscientist, um, and um, he's uh, written extensively um, and, and comprehensively. Um, what he um, is interested in is left and right hemispheres of the brain. And he mm-hmm. says, look, the left hemisphere is really interested uh, on um, assessing and um, making statements that um, um, are, are highly specialised and narrow focused, whereas the right brain tends to see um, a much bigger picture, which includes uh, a pleasure in existence in the moment. And I, and I often sort of say to guys, look, um, you're over-focusing on one aspect of here, of mm. something. Yeah. Um, let's try and bring in more perspectives. And Merleau-Ponty, he says something really interesting. He says, ambiguity is the essence of human existence. <laughs> and everything we live or think or feel has always multiple meanings. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're stuck on one meaning, you're yeah. stuck. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I love that. I, I, love, I love that. Yeah, I like that too. I, I call ambiguity the, the human kryptonite, you know, particularly for us blokes. But, uh, Borley, tell us a, a, a bit about your book and where can people get a copy of it, mate? Well, it's available on all um, online platforms, all online bookshops. However, I encourage people instead to come through the website that I've thrown up for it because it's a lot cheaper. Right. It's um, Yeah, I think I didn't set the prices um, you- for all these online bookstores, Amazon and so forth. I think they want about 38 bucks, but if you come to me direct through reclaimyourbook.com, it's only 20 bucks and I think it's $7 shipping anywhere in Australia. So, and can you put that can you put that post get it and I can sign it yeah. for them too. Awesome. Can you put that post up on um, the men's mental health show Facebook page? Yeah, I certainly will. Just do that with, with access to doing it. But mate, we had a terrific young bloke on, um, not last week, week before, by the name of Brad Orobello. Uh, young father coming through, you know, with a, with a young uh, nine-month-old, I think, um, 
uh, Bub, and and just you know the, the the changes that he's had to deal with, uh, you know, with the response from from Bub and also from Mum, and um, sort of how he's sort of taken to fatherhood as, as and you being a father of three now, is that right? Got, yeah, three under the age of six. Three under the age. You mad bugger. And you've got you've got a, a recent newborn too. You've only got one that's six months old. Uh, Josie, well, this just shows how long it's been since we've had a long, long yarn. It's despite the one great one we had the other day, mate. But yeah, yeah. Josie's now fifteen months. No, oh, dear, I'm sorry, mate. That's a bit, a bit rough. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, well, okay. you know what I'm like. So I'm not generalising between how we communicate and the age of my kids, mate. <laughs> so listen, so that you put that up, reclaim, reclaim your book. Um, you know, uh, and put that up on the website, and and I, I might uh, look at getting a copy to to Brad Oravello. I think uh, he he'd certainly benefit from this, as well as many of the other listeners that are out there, uh, both well, here in Australia um, and abroad. Brad, I'd like to make an offer to the first three, and if you if you think you know, happy to give one to Brad, but it, it, I'd like to make an offer to the first three people who who call in after the show or contact the station or yourself directly. Yeah. Um, the first three people, all they need to do is give their name, address, and email address to you and I'll send them out a signed copy. Oh, good on you. So send that for those who, who are after a book 0404 077 and mate um, look, thanks for coming on and having uh, the quick chat this morning. I know you're a busy man. I look forward to having our discussion this afternoon. Um, but uh, mate, yeah, huge kudos to you mate for, for all that you're doing I know that you're, you're doing uh, 60Ks this month I think uh, under Movember So you're not just growing the tash um, no, I'm trying to make some uh, Growing the tash, trying to make some distance I think I'm shooting for, for 80 to be honest okay. we, just, we just hit 40Ks last night So I think we're in the running somehow Yeah, fantastic yeah. Okay, and, you're doing, and some of those you're clocking up too With the, the, uh, the men's uh, walk down there Men's walk and talk down there in Penrith yeah, they're a great bunch, and I'm, that's the only thing I'm disappointed about leaving Penrith. We recently moved to the Central Coast, as yeah. you know. But yeah. um, that was look. I, I encourage everyone to get out to the Penrith Men's Walk if they're in the, lo- the local area. Yeah, good on you, mate. Yeah, Craig. Uh, also, um, you know, a shout out to your work uh, getting men to start considering other ways of um, you know defining masculinity, defining themselves. I think that what's exciting, I think, is an, is an increasing, and you're part of that, is an increasing um, focus on um, getting men to the table, if you like. Yeah, great of, term. Yeah, well, I, think, of, uh, I think one of the best ways that we can do that, and I'll just make this very brief as I'm about to jump off, but um, we've got to make mental health part of everyday conversation. And the only way we do that is by putting ourselves out there, owning it, and... Uh, let the chips fall where they may. Other people will just jump on board and accept it. You'll be very surprised if you start sharing just as part of everyday conversation. You might get an uncomfortable question here, like, are you okay? And that sort of yeah, thing. But yeah. um, if you own it and you share it, other people will feel, even people you don't know, will feel, will follow your lead mm. and feel comfortable sharing. Great point, isn't it? Good on you. Thanks, Great. Paulie. Appreciate the Thanks call, mate. And, Have a uh, great day. Yeah, we'll give you a call in another couple of weeks, mate. All the best. Look forward to it. Cheers, Cheers. bye. Cheers. See ya. Yeah, he makes uh, some some wonderful points, and he's doing some terrific things in the community. Um, you know, with with men understanding change and and bringing things forward. And you know, it's one thing we always say together, Craig, is we, we'll share some of the things that I've learnt certainly by talking to yourself and people like Christian Mortensen, yeah, um, and, and and all the other guests that come on. And it, it does it brings up the discussion, and we're involved with the men's table, um, you know, which gets together once a month, um, and you see those profound changes in so many um, of the blokes that come to the table, but also, too, of the other blokes that you discuss, you know, what's going on in your life, mm-hmm. how's things sitting, mm-hmm. beyond the conversation of who won the footy. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's terrific stuff. So a big thanks to Craig. Um, reclaim your book, uh, Craig Ball. That's uh, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-L-L. And uh, it will give away three copies to the first three people that get in touch with us um, on 0404077666. We might uh, just take a, a quick break. Uh, oh, hang on. We've got someone calling us now. Let's see who this is. Hang on. Hello, this is Brad. What's, what's your name, mate? Uh, my name's Larry. I'm, I'm in Katoomba. Very interested myself, but I have a daughter who's a psychologist and deals in such things, and she'd love, I'm sure she'd love to read that. Read that, so well, it's mate, going to be a little gift. I'll give, I'll give, I'll get a copy of that out to you, to you, Larry. I appreciate you phoning in, and you know, um, so you talk. Your, your daughter's gone into psychology. Good on her. Yeah. Okay. How long has she been a, a psychologist? Uh, about five years. Okay. Terrific. What about uh, has has that helped with the discussion between father and daughter of changes with yourself? Have you learned some things from her over the over the past five years oh. yourself? I certainly have. I certainly have. Yeah, uh, yeah she's uh, she's ta- taught me quite a few things, and uh, but I'm sure this sort of stuff would be very helpful in the field she's in at the moment because sure. uh, yeah, she's dealing with uh, some fellas who can be a problem to their wives. Yeah, uh, sure. yeah, and we've covered a couple of topics along along that line. It's. Um, it's you know uh, it's it's areas where I guess we need to do better as men, um, and also well, it's, keep it, it's, it's all do with your, what's going on in your head, and it it, it uh, can probably help straighten some people out. I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think as as we're t- talking today, Larry, just just opening up and having a discussion around uh, that. You know, um, you know, we, we've we've talked about uh, things like coercive control. Uh, we've done some uh, domestic violence, and we've got another one coming up in three weeks' time. Um, but you know, it's important to note that you know, I think as 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 in general, we as men are doing you know the best we can. Um, but uh, you know, with with a lot of changes that are happening, it's important to to understand that we need to really just bring everything back to being showing respect and kindness towards one another. I think is the key to it all. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, there's a, a big social issue, I think, at the moment is that uh, that males have been, not beyond the eight ball, but been second place to the, the full brunt of the female movement. And, uh, and uh, good for them, but the blokes have sort of stood back a bit and let it let it flow through to see what's going on but yeah i, mean, I think a, um, on a very broad scale I think a, a lot of we've talked about this too buddy i think a, a lot of with a lot of these changes that have come forth particularly in the last three years um is uh, men have questioned or felt they've lost part of their identity um uh through it all and but again you know open discussion with those closest to you or more importantly your partner um, can help, help you. It certainly helped me over the years. You know, there's there's a lot of things that I've learnt uh, from the opposite sex or the more dominant sex, I should say. Um, you know, and that's something that you deal with on a daily basis, Bodie, isn't it? Look, I, 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 yes, I do. Um, I, I think um, you're right, Larry. At, at one level, uh, um, the broad movement of men have struggled to. Um, think about um, what what is our reality as men 
um, women certainly have done the work in the 60s and 70s and 80s of actually um, looking at the question of what is it to be a female, what is it to be a woman, what is it to be um, a young woman or an o older woman. Um, and I think we're uh, in some sort of catch-up, you know, of, uh, of that discussion. And a lot of the discussions currently tend to be in reaction to women's becoming, if you like, or their journey of empowerment. Um, and that's the wrong conversation for us to be having. Yeah, yeah. You know, the exactly. conversation... I mean, they've, they've built up on that over the last 150 years. Yes. Uh, easily. And... and uh, yeah, and it's, I think it's starting to turn women are saying, "Well, what about us?" Mm. Uh, well, there is, there is, what, yeah, what about us? And 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 um, and what sort of relationship can we have with women, um, um, given the a new understanding? I mean, I think that's the question for me. What sort yeah. of relationship can we have with our women folk, with our, with women generally as men? Um, um, that that is a genuine occupation of mutual respect and advantage. I mean, that, I mean, you know, I keep on saying on this show, blessed are the peacemakers, those who want to uh, uh, usher in an invitation for these profound discussions. I mean, we could easily polarise like they've done in the United States of America where everything is polarised and everybody's in their little silos. Yeah, that's um, just what we don't want. Yeah, and we don't want that. We actually do want to have, have discussion, but it, it does... You know, I think men have to do discussion on their own, but also um, I think it's beginning to be time for some more um, uh, empowering, empowering discussions between men and women uh, to explore what we're moving towards and what does it look like to be um, joined together rather than in opposition to each other as if gut women's gains are, are um, prejudicing men's well-being. I mean, I, th I think those, thing, those kind of assumptions are problematic. Mm. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested in a more broader and more um, a subtle conversation about mutual advantage. Mm. Yeah, well, exactly. But I, 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 I like the idea of the unification of thought, but uh, I think we both need to respect the differences in the other. Absolutely, uh, and, absolutely. And for preserving uh, and, yeah, and absolutely, it, I think difference is crucial because difference actually allows for attraction to uh, uh, to, to be established. If we're the yeah. same, there is no attraction. Mm. So exactly. um, you know, we do yeah. have to grow up to understand mm. that viva mm. la difference. You know, difference is an attractor. It's mm. not a um, an, an opposition force. But certainly, um, if guys are throwing their arms around and, and coercive control and all that sort of stuff, um, you know, we do have to clean all that sort of stuff up. We have to understand what is a male obligation to uh, to come from. Now, I'm working with guys all the time, teaching them how to not react um, in uh, in anger, but but to re to be to react from a listening place. Yes, um, and I think those things are crucial steps towards a, um, a reconnection, if you like, that's based on mutual understanding. So, yeah, I, I, there can be a lot can be said from the saying, you know, as long as what you're delivering comes from a place of love. I know at times when we're having a discussion, things can get quite passionate. You might feel it's heated. But I think if you, if you explain that, listen, uh, sweetheart, I want you to understand that I, I'm coming from a place of love. I'm just frustrated. I'm confused and I don't understand and, and by saying things like that or using that type of language, as we often say, can, can often be 
a really good gateway of of getting a better understanding from whoever it is you're talking to. Um, you know, j- just I don't understand. I, I mean this from a place of love. I, I know I'm being passionate, but it's certainly not directed in a derogatory sense toward you. Mm. Yeah. It's all right. I can come home. I've had a hard day, but I come home. And my wife might have had a hard day, and and I'd know by the look when I just offer offer her my arm, and she'll go whack and punch me in the arm. And say, <laughs> I feel much much feel much better now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like you've got it going on, Larry. Good yeah, on you, Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's lo- lovely to hear, Larry. You know, I mean, that mutual advantage, that that sense of uh, being able to depend upon each other. Um, you know, I think that's what the, the strength of marriage or strength of relationship is. Yeah, is that um, you know we learn to laugh together, we learn to cry together, we learn to argue together, mm. um, and we learn to understand this world together. Um, and that's one of the um, um, points of. Um, exquisite um, pleasure, um, mm. you know, when that relationship is working in that way. So, yeah. all, all power to your work there, Larry. Good, Thank you. Good on you, Larry. Thanks for calling in, mate. Send me um, your email address. Send a text through to me just with some details, and I'll get a copy of Craig's book out to you. And um, I'm sure you'll enjoy the read, mate. But thank really you. Really looking forward to, re- to having a read. Thanks, thanks. Good on you, mate. Thanks for your time Bye-bye. this morning. Thanks, Larry. Bye bye. That's yeah, another listener that's come in. Um, I've just had another message uh, come through as well. So we've got a couple of people that's it's generating a, a good discussion. You know, it, I think one thing that, that I was good at, in fact, I, I can still do it, is, is, is I'll shut down into silence a lot of the time. Um, and, and that's not going to be doing you any good or, or your partner or whoever it is you're having the conversation with. Um, you, you know, I often say I'm shutting down because if I haven't got anything nice to say... It's hard not to say anything at all when really that's just taking the easy road. Um, you yeah, know, I'm yeah, just yeah. trying to escape from from this discussion um, by shutting down, and, and that's you know that's that, that's frustrating. Uh, the person you're you're, you're trying to have uh, be incognito with yeah. or, or whatnot, but it's uh, yeah. Look, I've, I've I wrote a poem. Um, this is about another relationship. This is yeah. about us white folk um, to our indigenous folk. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. So that's the uh, the nature. Of the, the, of the and I apologise uh, for the week before with Brad in relation to Still I Rise. We uh, had it cut out, the poem, so I don't know if you've still got a copy. We might read that one a bit later as well if you do. But So this is one of uh, your originals? This is, the, yeah, this is one of my, 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 my poems. Um, look, it, it, white people have had a big history, and I think it's um, we're beginning to see... Um, uh, the indigenous voice throughout the world actually becoming to be amplified and to becoming becoming to be recognised. And one of the interesting uh, systemic issues raised by indigenous people is that um, you know we don't have mighty um, economies that pollute the world. We, you know we live fairly simply. Yeah. Um, and um, you know it, it looks like our, our way of life may well be threatened by rising tides and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, we need to recognise um, something about compensation. Mm. The, the wealthy nations have actually created a bit of a, yeah, well, a, bit, a yeah. bit of a problem here. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this, is, this poem is my attempt to okay. actually say, let's, let's reorient um, let's the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Let's have so, a discussion. Yeah. Here we go. White is right. Yeah. It has been so... A light on the long march of night in thought and labour with ink and quill. Taught that white is bright, our age of might. Therefore, all whites are deemed right. Now that's a really interesting Mm. conclusion that we've drawn, that whites have created the world as we understand it. 
but it's actually um, a, 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 um, at a terrible cost. I'll keep reading. The tribes of Ham, blackened in fields toiling, bodies bound and tethered, while whites shunned the burnished sun with parasols fanned and feathered. Noah, this patriarch, a sham of a man, his sly lie, the tribes of Ham, distant, recorded on six lines on papyrus, a scam, his curse by rote throughout the ages, an article of faith, the so-called burden of divine white and right, bringing light to the black natives' nights of superstitions and fertility rites, <laughs> so judgmental, yeah. the pale Christ foisted into their midst, killing off their traditional ecology, proselytizing a triumphant theology that white was right. There was the book writ the word writ in a book of credulous claims that whites inherited this blue pluvial earth for personal use and gain. With science, profit and a virus of growth, this white girth coiled this green paradise, exacting a terrible toll. An ending to this monocular view of a white world history. It's time for an indigenous voice that nurtures us all. <laughs> I like it. I tell you what, what we've got to do is we've got to get uh, the, the lovely Claire who's behind the scenes for the Men's Mental Health Show, does a lot of the editing um, and uploading stuff. Is really need to get some of these poems emailed to Claire um, and we can put them on the Men's Mental Health Show page, which incidentally a huge thanks to, to the new listeners. We've had 127 come on board just in the last week alone uh, that has visited the site. So thank you for, for those listeners both here in Australia and local in New South Wales and abroad. Um, yeah, kudos to you. Mate, that's a terrific poem. Look, yeah. I, I, really want, I, I really wanted to actually sort of uh, say to us, um, you know, I, I am European uh, yeah. uh, for a background, well, I wanted to say that, um, you know, we have been part of the emergent world. Um, we played a very significant part. But I think we've sort of kind of overstepped um, some some ideas about, um, you know, white power. And, um, you know, I think it is time for us to actually be much more inclusive and to bring together an understanding of indigenous understandings, mm. indigenous spirituality, indigenous ecology. Mm. It is a rich and deep science in its own right. Mm. And we've lost our um, respect for that uh, science and we need to regather it in. So my poem is my attempt to actually say, I'm prepared to uh, step back from white is right and actually say, bring uh, I I'm seeking dialogue. I'm bringing centre stage the indigenous voice for our survival. That's part of our solution for the next two thousand years. Yeah, yeah, terrific. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's, that's wonderful, Bates. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Well, I think you know there, there was a, a. I wish I could remember his his name, a African American chap who was talking on a talkback show, and you know had some people. Well, you're talking about Black Lives Matter. What about White Lives Matter? All of the rest, and he just said, look. All lives matter. Yeah. But if we don't bring up a discussion, then we exactly. cannot move past where we're at at the moment. Yeah. And yeah. I think with everything that you see that's going on over there, you know, from, from the difference between, you know, when black people get put over in a car as a white person, you know, there are some significant differences. But I think what it is, is, is just having that discussion. I think shows like, uh, you know, um, um, what's Insight, 
um, yep. QI. Uh, you know, there, there, there's some terrific discussions around that. Also, to what we do here, and you know, we've got some wonderful um, contacts that have come on here. Some uh, great elders, uh, you know, like David King from the Gundagai Absolutely. Absolutely, and a wonderful man by the name of Glenn Glenn Collis, who's extremely passionate and has done some terrific things for those. Uh, that are struggling with addictions, which I thought we could just move to because we've only got around 15 minutes left, is, okay. is to move on to that topic of perhaps addictions or whatever here. And I know we're sort of you know, opening up quite a broad topic, but uh, I've had a chap, a friend of mine, um, stay with uh, me the last week in my caravan, um, got himself into a, a, a bit of bother. He, uh, um, he actually fell asleep, doing quite a slow speed, around 35 40 kilometres an hour, and went up to the back end of a car. Um, had come back and uh, and 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 gone positive for for substance or DUI, um, and you know at that stage um, had just sent him into a huge downward spiral, um, putting pressure on his family, putting pressure so much on himself, uh, on his friends, um, and subsequently has has gone and sought help uh, at where he is at the moment, mm. back mm. in in rehab, which is you know huge kudos to him for for taking that step. But, you know, yeah, come on in, Ron. But, but is it, you know, by having uh, helped out somebody, it, it's a question that I get a lot from people that would call me up, you know, Brad, what do I do? Um, you know, my daughter my, or my son, my friend has done this. Uh, they want me to give him some money or uh, they need a place to stay. Uh, are we enabling? Is that enabling when you, when you consider so many times that person's, um, you know, I guess fallen off the wagon, um, or do I just express some more tough love to that person? What, and then I have to live with those consequences of of that in self. Look, there's, there has been a debate, tough love, um, in the treatment of uh, people, uh, p- particularly parents, have been uh, often encouraged um, to um, to explore this idea of enabling, which kind of means that are you inadvertently which means um, uh, it's not intentional, um, enabling a person's ongoing addiction. Um, so it's a complicated uh, um, uh, uh, approach um, mm. to actually sort of think about. And I think it's always got to be tempted, tempered by um, um, alienation of the person with the addiction versus um, an invitation on part of the family to make a difference, to actually Mm. um, Mm. uh, step in. Now, one of the complications of addiction is that it's very easy to get fed up with the person who's caught in the addiction cycle. You know, so that, yeah, let's let's own that for all of us. Um, It is a source of uh, frustration, embarrassment. When are you going to get it? You know, all that sort of stuff. Um, the um, so it takes a certain amount of courage to step beyond your um, personal frustration or irritation or even anger, mm. Um, mm. To, and to and to keep looking at the bigger picture sure. of um, what is this person struggling with, um, and the nature of addiction is that it is a brain-based um, cycle of. Um, limited repertoire yes. um, of the person with the addiction. So basically, all of us have um, a, a capacity for receiving dopamine for satisfaction. Sure, yeah. to some extent, yeah. Yeah, all yeah. of us have that. Yeah. Um, now, people who are caught in an addiction cycle 
are caught up in a low-grade form of reward mm. through their drug of choice. Yeah. And so what happens is that the oh, world okay. then shrinks mm. substantially and the only satisfactions they obtain from living is in their d- addiction cycle. Wonderfully put. Yeah. So that's the thing that we have to um, We've got to know. Uh, it fo- is an focus on. Yeah. And it is an illness, absolutely, mm. um, um, because one of the uh, truths of our humanity is that we're addicted to our sugar hit. Yeah. Whatever it is, yeah. whatever. Yeah, drug we all express it some way or yeah. another, don't yeah. we? You know? We all have repetitive patterns mm. um, that um, uh, um, that show up in the way that we actually choose mm. to live. Mm. And to step away from repetitive patterns um, is, not, is not is one of the hardest things to actually do. Mm. Really, is mm. one of the hardest things mm. to break a repetitive pattern. So um, I think one has to kind of um, um, find. I think just. Well, I'm waffling here and, and right in this moment, mainly because I understand the tensions that come up for people and family members seeing someone wrestle with an addiction. But what I've understood is um, that um, pe- f- fat brothers and sisters who wake up to the stress of a family member or a sibling caught in addiction and reach out, um, that reaching out is an invitation and it's a profound invitation to the person struggling with the addiction to know that they're not um, mm. forever wrapped up in shame by their behaviour, that actually the family is actually saying, we get it yeah. and we really want to help. Um, um, we also know that um, we can only help when you're ready to help yourself. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? So... so so having that kind of um, openness to a, 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 an exploration together mm, mm. Um, is a beginning of that kind of mm. breaking um, the um, the cycle of addiction. The, the trouble is, um, and I said it before, that I need to change, but I don't really want to change. So you know, my, you know, my drug of choice, I've, yeah. I've have such a relationship to it. Um, that I'm not prepared to give up that relationship mm. in order to actually go back into the world because because that's my refuge. It's become my refuge. It's become the only thing, the only activity that gives me some respite from the challenges of being in this world. Yeah. Do you know, I, and that's that's really, really well put, and and, and, and it's simplicity uh, as well, Bodhi. Thank you, because uh, a lot of listeners, I guess, have seen or are dealing with you know, family or friends that are going through this and it's so easy to pass judgment, you know, until he learns or she learns to grow up or get over this, can't be done. So what I've learnt in this short time of, of helping this chap is to be kind on the person, hard on the problem. Yeah. Um, and, and, and and by doing that is is whilst he's in this state of of, of cleaning himself up, is just continual validation. Just, you know, like it would say things to me, um, at one stage, he wouldn't talk. He would just text me, uh, you know, and, and constantly say sorry and thank you. And, you know, I, I would say things in the end which would be, mate, you, you're worth it. If you weren't worth it, I wouldn't be doing this, you know. And that's a beautiful response because that's what they can't hear for themselves. They can't say that to themselves. They can't, can't say to that to themselves. That's yeah. what Craig Ball was talking about yes. before. Yeah. You know, that uh, you've you, you got to have some self-regard for yourself yeah. because that's a basis for doing something different. I've got self-regard. I'm yeah. worth it. Let me actually make a difference here. Yeah, exactly. But when, you're, when you feel like you're um, a, a bit of saliva on the sidewalk um, yeah. of life, 
Yeah, um, and that's what they feel like. Yeah. Um, you ain't going to have the capacity to actually steer no. out of that stuff. So um, getting that feedback, you're worth it. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm connecting, and I love that statement. I'm kind on the person, but I'm hard on, on the, the problem. problem. And, and, um, and I think that that was one of the things that I've got to say about this chap's father. Like, just... You know, uh, you know, he's a baby boomer. He's an old man. Um, yeah. Uh, similar uh, vintage to yourself, but uh, you know, and 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 a, and a quite a stern businessman. Okay. Um, very successful. Yeah. And you know, it, 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 this chap's judgment of his father is, oh yeah, you know, like my dad doesn't understand. There's a bit of resentment that goes on. Often the case between siblings. But you know, his father just said one of the most powerful things to me, which I thought was was beautiful and. Um, you know, he says that his son knows this. And after he said what I'm about to say, I said, it's important, particularly between now and the next week or two, that I say that to him. And, and that is, you know, I, I love my son. I, I, you know, it doesn't matter what he's done, or what, what's gone on, I'll never stop loving him. Um, and, you know, there was something about, you know, regardless of what some of his siblings would like me to think that will never change. And, and that was a, a, a beautiful thing. Um, so getting back to that is, is when someone's in that process of, um, you know, hard on the problem, soft on the person, is to continually give them that validation yeah. of you're worth it. I wouldn't do what I'm doing or, or we wouldn't do what we're doing if we didn't think you were worth it. Yeah. Look, now, that, yeah. that old story from the, from the Bible um, of the prodigal son who um, you know gets his inheritance? He says to his dad, um, and "This is an ancient story." Um, he says to his dad, "Give me my money. I'm I'm heading off." Yeah. And he heads off for sure. Um, the father, uh, you know, uh, carves out a bit of the, uh, some of the inheritance or what it was due to the son, and he heads off. And the and the good son called, so called, remains in the fields, actually looking after his father's um, uh, reality, um, uh, and. You know the, the the prodigal son, the son who finally returns. You know he blows all the uh, inheritance, um, the friends that he's built up. Um, you know with his pocket of dough, mm. um, f- uh, fall by the wayside, um, and um, he's destitute. And so he ends up um, in a pigsty. Um, that's the only job he can get in a pigsty, uh, yeah. feeding the pigs the slops, and that's what he's eating. Mm. The same sort of stuff. Mm. And he has a wake up moment. He he, he realizes I've blown it. Mm. Um, I've mm. been absolutely full. I've been the biggest fool ever. Tail goes and between he, yeah, the legs. Absolutely. Yeah. And he returns to uh, the father um, uh, uh, saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And, and you know, to the good son's dismay, mm. the father says, so excited. Um, <laughs> and, and, and he wants to actually kill the fatted calf and yeah. have a big feast to celebrate the return <laughs> of the son. And the, and the good son says, hey, yeah, but dad, but what about me? He said, you will get your just... Uh, desserts, uh, desserts. <laughs> yeah. you, you, you will be looked after. You have been a faithful son, yeah. but I'm so glad to see this boy return. And I think that's what um, you know. The, the person you're talking about, the dad that talked to you, is I love this boy, um, um, but he can't receive my love um, at this particular point because he's stuck <laughs> in his addiction. Mm. Um, but it's that love that always is open to the renewal, to the promise, yeah. to the return. And I think that if 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 you as a parent um, can hold on to or grow that idea of I love this child despite their mm. stuckness mm. and I'm there and I'm praying, I'm waiting for their return, mm. I think um, that is the most creative stance um, you can offer. Yeah. I was, listen- I was reading the paper, uh, The Good Weekender, um, and there's a story of the father 
um, come out of the Second World War, obviously brutalised by his experience, but he comes back um, totally screwed up. Mm. And he can't raise his children any other way than in coercive control, yeah? yeah? yeah. In riding their boat, riding their, um, uh, yeah. you're not good enough, this boy was good at soccer, you're not good enough, you didn't get five goals, that yeah. constant yeah. Sort of harassment. Yeah. And then um, and then he's hard on this boy's um, um, mother, his wife, um, and in the end, um, you mm. know, he just totally blows up and he tries to blow up um, a, a, a care centre where the boy and his sisters and 50 other people are, mm. you know, getting oh, after care, yeah. school after care, yeah. with cans of petrol and you know, oh. all that sort of shit. Yeah. Thankfully, um, um, the... You know, somebody intervened, the police yeah. arrived, and he was cut. He shot himself, killed himself. Oh, um, and, um, you know, and, that, and thankfully, um, the fuel that he set up in cans of jerry cans around yeah. this facility, yeah. um, you know, didn't ignite and blow, and blow the place oh, up. Yeah. So, um, so that's a man, that was a father who was totally uh, insane mm. um, and driven by only one thing, which is revenge. Yeah. And there was no love in his heart. Yeah, for loving those children. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that uh, um, you know, so I look at what I'm kind of uh, coming from is this, is this place that um, enabling. Of course, if you're paying your child money to feed their habit, um, mm. one can say that is a direct example of yeah. enabling. Yeah, but um, it, it, to break a relationship with a child to say you have banished yeah. as if that is. Uh, breaking a pattern of an, yeah. yeah the outcast yeah. as if that is um, enabling or, or or not being an enabler um, is not the position to take. We need to have an open stance. Yeah, you know multiple m- levels of of meaning. If an if there's only one way of dealing with someone who's travelling in an addiction, mm. Mm. it's always going to be too one dimensional. Yeah, and not deliver the result you're, you're looking, looking for. for yeah not deliver the result you're looking for well that's wonderful i think um terrific points today boaster you've been on fire um and and thanks mate just want to say a quick thanks to craig ball uh for, for calling in and also to larry uh we're getting that book out to you as we speak uh big thanks to uh, uh mounties group uh, dale hunt and uh and all my best to craig Beachy uh, from All Manufacturing Personnel is going under the knife. We'll be back next week. I think we've got Christian Mortensen. Um, Must get a couple of ads in before the 12 o'clock news, but a huge thanks to the listeners. Thanks, Bodes. We'll see you next week, mate. Yep. It should be another good show. We'll go for a bit longer next week. Uh, But remember, uh, don't be so quick to judgment and be kind to one another. That's an important thing.